Disney Prodigal, we want to invite you to our Love the World auction coming up on Friday, March 3rd. It's gonna be such a fun evening with dinner, live, silent, and dessert auctions. Brittany, how can they get their ticket? You can head to our app or our website and there you'll find the auction tab with all the information for the event. You can sponsor a table there, donate items, or you can even buy your tickets. So mark your calendars for Friday, March 3rd. We can't wait, we'll see you there. This is the second call. Has a stranger ever asked you to take a photo of them, okay? Or have you ever asked a stranger, you hand them your phone, right? I have, you're at something and you want a photo, but a selfie is just not gonna work, okay? So you scan the people around you. And there are a couple of qualities that you're looking for in the one person that you ask, okay? Because you can't just ask anybody, okay? Number one, they have to look normal, okay? They can't look like they're in a rush. They can't be too young, they can't be too old. They gotta know how to use the camera on your phone. And then lastly, they should be smiling or laughing, okay? Spoiler alert, if you've never been asked to take a stranger's picture, it's because you're none of these things, okay? The best stranger photo takers are the ones that take multiple photos, okay? They hand the phone back to you and they're like, I took like 40 pictures so there should be at least be a good one. You're like, thank you, okay? Have you noticed that when people take photographs of each other, the person taking the picture is usually smiling as well? Okay, people take selfies all the time, but it's more fun to participate than to watch. It's more fun to play than to sit. Jesus invites us to participate. I am coaching my son's baseball team this year, and it's the first year where kids pitch to each other, okay? And I find myself saying to many of our players, come on, guy, you can do this, you can do it. I know you're scared, but it's worth it. Uh, you never know unless you try. I promise you're gonna be fine, okay? We need you. And these are the words of Christ to us this morning. Come on, you can do it. I know you're scared, but it's worth it. You never know unless you try. I promise you're gonna be okay. We need you. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the biographies of the life of Jesus. And they tell us about his life, his teachings, and his ministry. And each Gospel tells the story of Jesus from a unique perspective, a unique vantage point. Matthew, it's the Jewish perspective, okay? Lots of Old Testament prophecies in there. Luke is the Greek perspective, okay? He's the only non-Jewish author in the entire Bible. Mark is from Peter's perspective. It was also the first gospel written. And then finally, John, okay? It focuses more on the divinity of Jesus. And about 90% of the gospel of John is unique to John, whereas much of Mark can be found in Matthew and Luke. Now, there are only 11 events recorded in all four gospels. Only 11. And only one miracle. Only one miracle is told in all of Jesus's biographies. You know which one it is? It's Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's familiar. Let's read it together. And this time we'll read it from John's perspective. John chapter 6 verse 1, it says this, Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. 
the Jewish Passover was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. The Bible says that there was 5,000 men, okay? That doesn't include women and children. Most scholars believe that there were somewhere around 20,000 people on this mountainside, hungry and tired. Jesus says, where shall we buy bread for these people? Panera? Philip gets sarcastic with Jesus here, right? He says, it's going to take eight months of salary, okay, to buy enough bread for everyone just to have one tiny little bite, what do you mean, where shall we buy bread? Come on, Jesus, you're hilarious. Okay, so there's the problem. And, and what is Philip's response to the problem? It is, we don't have enough. We don't have enough, okay? Fill in the blank. We don't have enough is always the wrong answer when God is calling us to do something or asking us to do something. Philip could not see that Jesus could have helped in this situation. Philip couldn't see beyond his own power to do something with the physical resources he had. And many times, you and I are just like Philip, okay? We see a need, we look at our own resources, and we decide that we are powerless to make a difference, so we don't do anything. And Jesus here is trying to stretch the disciples' faith, and he wants to stretch ours too, okay? We are often in situations where there is no way it's gonna work out unless God intervenes, unless we cry out for help. And this is what Jesus is doing here with the feeding of the 5,000. The disciples there, they're in this situation where the answer to the problem, it's going to have to be miraculous. Hudson Taylor said this, unless there is an element of risk in our exploits for God, there is no need for faith. If we could do it all by ourselves, do we have a need for God? Tell me this, if this is true for you, okay? Have you ever prayed for God to confirm what you should do in a situation? Like, you might have this inkling, okay? You might have, what is the right move in this situation? But you're not sure, and so you want to ask God that you could be certain that you're doing what you should be doing. You're praying, and you're praying, and you don't get 100% clarity. And it's like, Lord, just tell me if I'm making the right decision or not. Have you ever been there? And the, the no response that we so often get from God here doesn't mean he's not leading you. It means that he is leading you. When you are praying, God, give me, give me response. God, respond. God, respond. God, confirm. And he's silent. It doesn't mean he's not leading you. It means that he is because that is the life of faith. If he told you exactly what to do, that's knowing. That's certainty. And that is the opposite of faith. Uh, my family and I, love uh, the game Spot the Difference, okay? Are you familiar with it? Okay, you can play hundreds of these on YouTube, but Spot the Difference is two pictures that seemingly look exactly alike, but there are three differences, and it's up to you to spot the difference, okay? Here's an example. Check out these two pictures, okay? Where are the three differences? You can press pause here if you'd like. Now, when we play this as a family, we all love to be the first one to spot the difference, okay? And my kids always want to be the first one, okay? It's a little competition that we play. 
In Ivy, she's the youngest, okay? She's five. And sometimes she's the fastest, but often, uh, you know, it's after I find the difference. And then she whispers in my ear, Dad, give me a hint. And then I whisper back, okay, look at their shirt. And she's like, I found it. I found it. Now, in our lives, we want the answer right away. God doesn't give us everything we want, but he does give us enough. Is God calling you to something? Okay, but you've, you've had hints. You're waiting for confirmation. You're waiting for something supernatural to happen for, for a God to confirm it for you. You're going to be waiting a long time because God is a hinter. God is a whisperer. God might be calling you to a deeper search. God might be calling you to greater faith. Let's continue the story, verse eight. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Philip's response to the problem was not enough. Andrew comes back with something, but his response is still not enough. And yet, as Jesus points out, not enough is not enough. Not enough is never the final answer. And I really sense that we need to say in Jesus' name over our circumstances, over our problems, over our shortcomings, our failures, our insecurities, enough of not enough. Enough of I'm not good enough. Enough of I'm not spiritual enough. Enough of we don't have enough. Not enough is no excuse to refrain from the courageous love and faith that Jesus is calling to you right now. Enough of not enough. Because when placed in the hands of Jesus, our human weakness, our human smallness becomes more than enough. Do you believe it? There's a great Anglican proverb that says, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do I ought to do. Amen. There is nothing too small that God can't use to bring about his love in our world. And Jesus uses this little boy to feed 20,000 people. Okay? John's version of the story, it's the only one that shares the story about this little boy. Okay? Why? And can you identify with that little boy, okay? Think with me for a moment. What it feels like to be a child in a large crowd. It's intimidating, it's scary, it's challenging. 
it, it, it's humbling. And here is this little boy in the middle of a crowd of Pharisees and Sadducees and big burly fishermen, rich people, poor people, 5,000 men. Heck, the little boy is not even counted among the crowd. He is insignificant, almost as if he doesn't exist. And he's not just a little boy, right? He's poor too. John tells us that the loaves were barley loaves. Barley was the grain of the poor because it was the cheapest of all grain. And the fish, man, these aren't some giant trout. No, no, these are like sardines. Just two little fish and a few little slices of pita bread, okay? This was the little boy's, it was a handy snack, okay? You guys remember those, the handy snacks? Just got some cheese and some crackers. That's what this, it's the equivalent to a modern day handy snack. And then some man, okay, Andrew, comes along and asks this boy, hey, Jesus needs your lunch. And at first he's scared, right? It would have been so much easier to just keep what you have. It's so much easier to let someone else take the picture. It's so much easier not to participate. But the boy gives all he has. And all he has is a tiny little handy snack, okay? Barley loaves and sardines. And it didn't matter because Jesus took those loaves and that fish and he fed the crowd and he had plenty to spare. I wonder why John makes mention of this little boy. I'm not sure why he mentions him, but I know that the little boy teaches us that even the most insignificant among us possesses the stuff of miracles. It was out of what that little boy had that Jesus found the building blocks of the miraculous. Jesus desires to use whatever we bring. How many miracles in the world are denied because we won't offer to Jesus what we have? Even if it's small, we have, we have time, we have skills, we have financial resources, we have expertise. We have ability. We have so much to offer, no matter how insignificant we believe ourselves to be. There is an ancient fable where uh, in the time when men had many wives, a middle-aged man had one wife that was old and one wife that was young. Each loved him very much and desired to see him like herself. He wanted to please both of them, and so he yielded to every whim. Now the man's hair was turning gray, which the young wife didn't like because it made him look too old for her to be her husband. And so every night she used to comb his hair and pick out all the white ones. But the elder wife saw her husband growing gray with great pleasure, for she did not like to be mistaken for his mother. And so every morning she used to arrange his hair and pick out as many of the black ones as she could. And the consequences, of course, were that the man soon found himself to be entirely bald. The moral is fairly obvious. Give to all and you will soon have nothing left to give. How much better it is to remain true to Jesus. Give everything to Jesus. However big, however small, however young, however old. Don't give everything to your job. Don't give everything to your marriage. Give everything to Christ and you'll become the husband you're called to be. The one who loves his wife 
as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. Give your job to the Lord and what was once life draining can become life giving. When we put everything else infinitely second and we bring it all to Jesus, he sends us back into the world as better versions of ourselves. The best gift that we can give this world is to abandon it for Jesus so that he can send us back into the world to love it like Jesus. Give your handy snacks to the Lord, no matter how insignificant it is, and watch what Jesus can do. Now, there are multiple miracles happening in this story of feeding the 5,000, okay? That's why I love it so much. One scholar says that this was not a physical miracle of multiplying food. Rather, Jesus got his disciples to share from their own provisions that they had selfishly tucked away for themselves. And the crowd, seeing their generosity, seeing the generosity of this boy, followed suit and then shared what they had with the others. Now, I believe that Jesus literally multiplied the fish and the loaves. But if instead he used the sacrifice of this little boy to multiply the love of 20,000 people on a mountainside, is it any less miraculous? I tell you it is not. Martin Luther said, I have tried to keep things in my hands and lost them all. But what I have given into God's hands, I still possess. What is Jesus asking you to give to him? Is it a relationship problem? Is it a financial problem? Is it your time? Is it your struggles? I don't know, but you probably do. I love how Jesus loves people. He doesn't love religion. He doesn't love rituals. He doesn't even love attending synagogue. He loves people. I was at a movie theater not long ago and I was in line for popcorn. The person in front of me is taking way too long to get their milk duds and their Sour Patch Kids, okay? The associate is pulling out the candy bars and then the dude starts inspecting them, okay? Then she would put them back underneath and then he looks at the case where the candy's at. He kind of looks up, kind of back, looks at it, kind of checks his phone, starts writing text messages. And he wasn't a fast texter, okay? He was like some of you, okay? He's literally taking forever, which apparently is probably around three to four minutes, but it's a long, that's like 240 seconds, okay? Now, I'm not the guy who's gonna say something, okay? I'm nice, I won't say anything. I'm just gonna be passive aggressive, okay? I'll change my posture, I'll breathe heavy, just, huh, okay? And that gets the message across, the exhale and the dirty look. Okay, I finally get to our seat and it's right at the beginning of the movie. And the person behind me puts their feet on my chair. Have you ever had that? Okay, again, I'm a nice guy, so I'm not gonna say anything, but I can kind of scoot like nonchalantly, okay? Just kind of showing that, that something's uncomfortable, okay? Uh, and he's not getting the picture, so I kind of, 
I kind of turn around like I'm looking for a friend just to kind of see who this perpetrator is, to see who, who was my nemesis, and guess who it was, okay? It was a different guy. I would have loved to have told you that it was the same guy with the milk duds, but it wasn't, okay? I'm not gonna lie to you. Okay, I did the lean and look just to see. All of these things were to communicate to this guy, hey, inconsiderate jerk of a nuisance, stop kicking my chair. People are frustrating, amen? I was in my own world, oblivious to God. I was focused on me. All the while, God was inviting me to participate. Now, we're gonna go back to the 1990s and we're going to be kind and rewind. Rewind, imagine yourself waiting in line for your milk duds. The guy in front of you is asking the, the, the counter person a lot of questions. He's taking forever, he's got text messages going on. You see him and you're beginning to get frustrated because of his deliberation and it's affecting you from seeing the movie trailers, okay? You don't know who the guy is, he's just a nuisance. Now imagine what happens when you do know something about him. Imagine that you learned that this man is texting his brother who was just released from the hospital and the first thing that this man's little brother wanted to do when he got out of the hospital was to go and see the new Spider-Man movie with his brother. And so big brother tells him to save the seats. I'm going to get all the best candy that they have. And so he inspects each bar, making sure they're fresh because he wants this night with his brother to be perfect. Or imagine that this man is texting a woman. He's known the woman for 15 years. They went to the same college and at various times they dated each other's friends. But five years ago, they moved to different sides of the country and then Totally unexpectedly, a year ago, they began writing letters to one another. Actual paper to pen letters, remember those? And through these letters, a genuine love begins to grow for one another. They both had been burned before in past relationships. At one point she was engaged, but her fiance called off the wedding two weeks before the date. And then he discovered that his girlfriend of four years had been seeing his roommate behind his back for two of those years. And so they decided that this couple, that they, they wouldn't see each other, they would just write for a year. And if at the end of the year they were still writing, then they would see each other in person. And this has happened. The letters brought them together in an extraordinary way and their love has been building and building They've shared more and more of their lives with one another and now the year is up and she has come to visit him and they're on their first official date and he has a diamond ring in his pocket and he's going to put the ring in the milk duds, which she doesn't know. And so you're in line at the movies and now you know the story. It is no longer annoying. It's electric. It's better than the movie. You watch with different eyes. You're fully engaged. You're filled with anticipation. Why? Because now you are aware. Previously, you were cut off from the depth and separated from the stories of these people. But now you see and know and feel a number of things which you didn't previously. 
and your awareness has changed, which of course, everything has changed from your perspective. This man who took 240 seconds to get the candy is no longer a nuisance, no longer an inconvenience. This person has a story. Every person has a story. And this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us as followers of Jesus. Everyone matters. All 20,000 of us, men, women, children, rich, poor, religious, atheist, and Jesus wants our participation in the redemption of the world. In bringing his kingdom of grace and compassion and adventure, his kingdom of love. Jesus cared for the 20,000 that day on the hillside in Palestine because he cares for the one, every one. All 20,000 had a story, Jesus knew it. And God used a little boy's lunch to meet the needs of many because Jesus cares. He can use you too. Here at Prodigal on Sunday morning, as people leave our sanctuary, or high school theater, they're gonna be given a handy snack as a symbol of giving everything to Jesus, no matter how insignificant. I don't know what Jesus is calling you to give to him, but you do. Would you give it to him and watch him multiply and give it back to you in a greater way to bless others? God, I pray in Jesus' name that as we give of ourselves, as we give everything to you, and we put everything else as infinitely second, God, show yourself faithful and make life better. We need you in this, Jesus. Your love for us changes us and help us to be your agents of change in this world, to know everyone has a story and we should treat them like it, like the precious gifts of God that they are, that those who bear your image. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. We wanna thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. Uh, this upcoming Friday is our first ever Love the World auction, and it's going to be so much fun. This is a way for our little handy snacks to come together to bless multitudes of people. And so we need your help. You can sign up to do so or buy your tickets at prodigalchurchfresno.com slash auction. Thanks so much. God bless you. Peace in Ukraine.